Hey, this is Kirsten Klug again with Brilliant. This is our second podcast, and I have actually decided to shoot it from my bedroom, and I am sitting in bed. The reason being is that this is where everything began. When I was a young kid, I had a poster of Einstein on the back of my door, and I wanted to be like Einstein, or I wanted to be like Edison. I wanted to be an inventor or a philosopher. I wanted to influence and help people see things differently. And I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do it or what I was going to do. So I just set out um, creating, I would say. I spent most of my time um, creating and I would run into challenges or problems along the way in life that would make me or shift me into who I have become today. But it did start out in the bedroom because I spent a lot of time in my room. I was super creative and, um, and during, um, I would say high school, I probably spent too much time sleeping because I was frustrated. I was frustrated about life. I felt like School was, um, I, I liked some parts of school, but some parts I didn't really like. I um, was frustrated with um, the regular subjects that we had to do, but I was more excited and enjoying the activities or this, the school that um, classes that had more hands-on. So like biology, I really enjoyed um, I made some great friends in that class. And then we just had a lot of fun creating or learning about things, hands-on playing with dissecting animals, whatever it was. Um, other ones that I really liked were math, um, not math, but um, was um, unless I had a good teacher, then I liked math. I did have um, one good teacher. And so math was fun, um, but I really liked art and I had a great teacher and learned so much through art. I really enjoyed leadership because we did get to discuss some challenging um, things, but also create a lot for the school. And like, that was really fun, creating assemblies and getting kids to get behind different community events like Earth Day. I remember designing a t-shirt for Earth Day. And actually the t-shirt design that I wanted to do was a whole, um, a whole bunch of globes or like or the earth around the shirt. And so I designed, um, an earth illustration and I had like three of them positioned on the front and then two on the back. So it was like, and I turned it each, you know, so you saw throughout the earth, you saw all different sections of the earth. So it wasn't just one image. It wasn't just the United States of America shown all the time that we would see in school, but it was shifted um, from all different perspectives in the world. And so it was a really neat illustration. The funny thing is when I got the t-shirts printed, I had like made a note to the um, printer to make sure that you put three um, on the front and two on the back. Otherwise the two on the front would be positioned a little too awkward for um, girls or women to wear. I thought. And so anyways, it was like this big deal. And I really stressed it when I went and dropped it off at the t-shirt uh, printer and everything. Anyways, I went to go pick them up and guess what? They were totally printed wrong. <laughs> they had the two on the front and it was horrible. And I was mortified as a kid. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I didn't know what to do. 
we ended up having him reprint and he reprinted um, for free, but it was a good lesson that even sometimes when you tell someone something that's really important, we're human, we all make mistakes and we can fix them. And so of course this was a hilarious conversation. I did keep a couple of those bad t-shirts just as a reminder that things don't always go as planned, but you've got to keep moving forward. And yesterday, what I was talking about was this double vision, was what is the big picture that you want and what are the small details? And sometimes we don't even know how to get to that big picture. And so we just have to take steps and we have to actually break it down. So maybe my big vision and in the back of my mind is being someone of influence or someone that helps people see things differently um, or a creator in creating something that makes a difference. Um, and so that's a hard and a big one. And when someone, when I was a kid, I remember people would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I had a really hard time trying to specify what that was and how, you know, I could, in my mind, I knew, oh, I want to be like Einstein, or I want to be like Edison, who has created something great that's changed the world. But I don't know how to say that without coming across weird. It's even hard right now for me sharing this with you, but I want to be vulnerable, vulnerable through this, because I want you to grow as well. I want you to have the ability to reach for the stars, right? They say you can reach for the stars and you might land among the gutters, but that's better than not reaching at all. So, um, so anyway, so in going back to your room, what kind of influences do you have in your room that can help you lead to where you want to go. So part of this today, I'm going to try and combine a couple of videos in my podcast. The first one is me just sharing like this. And then the second one, I'm going to turn the camera around and I'm going to share some elements because I actually worked on my room yesterday um, so that it is an influence of who I want to become in the future and um, how I'm going to get there. Because Again, I spend time in my room. I like to be by myself. I also do really thrive on interaction with other people because I am, I, I, I've got to um, make a difference, right? And if I'm not making a difference and I'm just sitting in my room, I get really frustrated. So I've got to be out there creating, asking questions, trying things out, researching. And that's what helps me keep going in a direction where I could be helping someone or I could be making a difference. That's my big thing. I got to be making a difference. That's my purpose, my passion. So, um, so anyway, so going back to high school, <clears throat> I ended up um, uh, really enjoying music. I like to, um, first when I went out in band in like sixth grade, um, everyone said, you got to come out. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't even think about it. Um, I was such into sports. I played uh, soccer and I was a swim racer. And um, so I spent a lot of time in skiing in the winter. I spent a lot of time in sports. I never really thought about playing a musical instrument, but thanks to my friends in grade school um, said, you got to come out. You got to try a music. You got to do band with us. Everyone's doing it. Um, and so I went and did it. And what was interesting is I thought, okay, 
I'll play flute. Everyone was playing flute. And I got into the playing flute, but it was okay. It wasn't, it, the pitch just wasn't quite right for me, you know, and the competition was too much to be quite honest, um, where you had to compete against your friends to see who was going to get in the first chair. I did not like that. I'd rather have competition on a team, like in soccer, and we're all working together or swim racing where it's just one of you and you're against the clock. That's how I liked it. Um, so the competition with, um, music didn't work. So I went to my um, teacher and I, Mr. Kovac, he was a great band teacher. And I said to him, I said, um, I think I'm going to quit. You know, this just isn't for me. I don't like the competition. And he's like, you can't quit. You, you are doing well enough in band and we really enjoy having you here. You can't quit. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I, I just, I don't want to compete with my friends and I don't really like the sound of the flute. Like if I'm going home and practicing, I don't, I don't, I'm not really into it. So what do I do? And he goes, well, I have an idea. Do you like challenges? And I said, of course, I love challenges. Um, and he said, uh, how about if you try the oboe? And I was like, the oboe, what is that? And so he pulled up the music and he played, um, he played the oboe for me. And I was like, ooh, that sounds cool you know, that's different. And, um, and then he said, the oboe has an important part in that it is always going to be like tuning us, you know, you'll play a note. And if you, once you can get that note right on, then it allows the sound is so, um, it resonates in so many different types of instruments that it's the best instrument to tune everyone and so you kind of have a strong a, a responsibility once you've learned how to play the oboe then your responsibility is going to be to tune the whole band and um i thought oh my gosh this kind of, this sounds interesting he says now i have a really good friend who is an oboe teacher and he's almost he's almost retired he teaches out at a different school in centennial um, but he is an oboe teacher and he's a really cool guy. So I'd like you to go take private lessons with him and see what you think about playing the oboe. So I said, okay, I'm going to give it a try. So I, we got a hold of this guy. His name was Bob Scott and we, I went out to meet with him and see if I should play the oboe. Well, it turns out he lived in Southeast Portland, not too far from my dad's office. And um, I'll never forget showing up to his house. And um, Bob was, um, uh, what would I say? Like a round type of guy. Um, he was very genuine. You could just tell right when you met him. He had two little tiny dogs that were wild and hyper and jumping everywhere off the couches and the chairs and everything as we were meeting and he said well let's go out to my garage that's where we have my studio and we can sit down and I'll play some oboe for you and then you can make a decision and I'll let you try you know and you can just try it out we open up the door to his garage and his garage is full of an HO train set it everywhere you look in the garage is a train set and all these little towns 
all around. And I was just like, what? And he said, oh yeah, I have a hobby of doing HO train stuff. So when I'm not playing music or teaching lessons, then I'm building and creating in these train towns. And I make all the little villages and I paint the people and I glue them in and I change it up and I have a track and I have trains and I can play those for you too, if you would like. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So I'll never forget. We had to open this drawbridge that had a track on it to go to the middle of the garage to sit down and play the oboe. It was an experience of a lifetime. It real made me realize how important having fun and picking things that you like throughout your life is the most important thing you can do. So we sat down, Bob started playing um, the instrument. I'm going like this because the oboe, you know, you use all your fingers. It's a double reed. So you have to put it in your mouth and you have to have a strong embouchure, which is your lips to get the sound to blow. And it's a double reed to blow just so to make the noise to then use your fingers and all these different um, finger designs to make the notes. And as Bob started playing, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was probably the best sound I think I've ever heard in my life. And what I realized too, is that some of the music that I really enjoyed listening to when I would get ready for a ski race, um, I would listen to music the night before and it would calm me down, um, calm some of my anxieties for the next day. And it was some of the music that I liked listening to actually had the oboe in it. And I did not realize that until I heard it um, from Bob. So um, that went on to influence my ski racing career was, again, the oboe notes. Just something really resonated with me in the sound and how it sounded and how it just is beautiful. So as Bob played, I was just blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely interesting. And I might as well give it a try. Um, the other thing that we noticed about Bob when he started playing was that his fingers weren't all there. Yes, he had lost the tips of his fingers. Um, he said he was in the war and a grenade went off in his hands or right in front of him, and he lost the tips of his fingers. So he was not only playing this beautiful hard instrument, he was also playing with not having all of his fingers. And he never made that an excuse of why he couldn't do it. He told me that anytime you have any challenge, not to give up, just to keep going. And if you make a mistake, as I was learning the oboe, if you make a mistake, turn it into something beautiful, turn it into something that you meant, you meant to do it. No one's going to know, right? Nobody's going to know that you made a mistake. You're going to turn that into something beautiful and it's going to be something unique and excellent that um, other people are going to enjoy. So anyways, Bob Scott became my mentor. He became my um, 
someone I really enjoyed every single week. I had a oboe lesson with him and, um, some weeks I was not very good at practicing. I didn't do a really good job of practicing at home, but I would still go and I would show up and I would play with him and I would listen to him and we would have fun with his train set and we would laugh. And, um, he was just such a wonderful person through my life. Um, I, he was, he is my favorite person that I've ever met. And, um, so I was, again, I had a problem. I did not want to play the flute, but instead of giving up, I persevered and I kept going and that's how I ended up meeting, um, Bob Scott. So again, it's all these little steps. So again, going back to my room, I had that vision that I want to make a difference, I ended up choosing an instrument where I could make a difference. I was making a difference every single day by tuning the band, by tuning the orchestra. As I got older, I would get called out of classes to go tune the orchestra, go tune the play. Like when they were having plays and they would have music, I would get called in to tune them, to tune the jazz so on. So I was making a difference, not just in my life, not just in my um, practice, not just in my band, but in the entire community of the school. And, and I had this great mentor who was showing me that you can have fun when you choose something hard, that you can also put fun into your life, like he did with the trains. And so then initially I thought, well, maybe I should become a music teacher. Um, so that's kind of what I had my mindset on, but I ended up meeting someone, um, that my boyfriend who also liked, um, arts and crafts and, um, and he wanted to go into graphic design. And so I decided, well, maybe I should go into graphic design as well. Maybe we could start our own company. I could do something with the art that I like. Maybe I could do something with the music as well. Maybe it's a combination of music and art that I end up doing. And because graphic design is applied, I could create something and then I could create things for other people and I could make a difference that way. And I could start selling whether music or art or whatever. So we decided graphic design was a better way for me to go than being a music teacher. So do I have regrets on that? Mm, maybe a little bit, because um, as you will see over talking with me or listening to my podcast, you'll see how much I enjoy teaching and that research and how it has really influenced where I am. So um, I have gone and become a substitute teacher. I have gone and taught in schools. I was actually a sub this year in a music class and I loved it. Um, the teacher had, oops, the teacher had given um, little worksheets for the um, kids to do. And I was like, we don't need worksheets. We need to do, um, you know, worksheets like activity worksheets. Cause sometimes subs will come in and they don't know what to do. And so teachers will give them just really simple things. And as a sub, it's a little frustrating when you really know what to do. So she did have a music game and like a, 
listening to beats and rhythm. And so I just turned that into something that kids could learn about volumes of um, sound in the classroom. And we could practice volumes of sound through a game in the music class because it was safe to be super loud and different levels, like from zero to 10, um, the levels of loudness. And it was safe in the, in the um, music classroom to test out the different sounds. And then they could kind of see like, what does it sound, sound like? And so my hope is that they could go back to the classroom and they could use that concept of sound and know if they're really loud and the teacher's having to talk really loud to them, they can lower it down. You know, I always say like, if you're below a five, that's a good level, you know, three to five for working is a good hum for the classroom. But when it starts going up and up and up, like say a level of an eight, a teacher can't really get their attention unless they have to, you know, holler or use a bell. Um, or if a teacher has established something for their classroom, they can use that silently. So like one teacher puts the hand up and then she counts down five, four, three, two, one. I have troubles doing that, the countdown. So, but just by standing in the classroom and putting that hand up, she's able to get her class quiet because they've been trained and they know that sound. But if I come in as a substitute and I'm someone different, it, they don't really connect the two. Even if I tried, you know, I did try in that classroom. Um, it was a different class and I tried putting the hand up and it worked a little bit, but I'm different. So I probably don't have the same ability or, or they connect with her differently than they do with me because I'm new uh, for just that day. So anyways, going back to my room, to making choices that uh, lead me in the direction. So music ended up opening so many doors for me. Not only did I meet my mentor who taught me life skills about having fun, about uh, being creative, about um, facing challenges if something didn't work out to adjust and go with the flow and make it like you meant to do it. So that lesson is why I'm sharing is because you may have a vision and it might be something really big, but you're not quite sure how to get there. You just have to start taking steps. You, and the steps you have to take is based on the research where you're asking questions and you're figuring things out. You try something, it doesn't quite work. Just like say I tried the flute, didn't quite work. I ended up with the oboe, ended up meeting someone. Bob Scott ended up learning a lot, realizing that making a difference is a big part of my life. Even though I didn't really realize at the time, getting out to tune different classes, um, that was really important to me. And I didn't know why. And I didn't really think about it because I was a teenager, right? But it made a huge difference. I was making a difference, just like the classes that I liked, leadership I liked, I was making a difference. So again, as I went into um, school and then I ended up becoming a graphic designer and ended up working with tons of clients, I enjoyed it because I was making a difference. So, um, so then once you have that big vision, then you step it down into the little visions into the little pieces. And you, again, you use those uh, double, I call it double vision, the big, big picture, big image, 
and then the little details. And what are those little details? It's taking those steps just to move forward. So knowing that I like being in my room, I really create my room in an atmosphere that I really like. Now, um, being creative, I am a visual person and I am not um, perfect when it comes to organization or keeping my room completely clean. I like to see everything. So um, later on, I'm going to show a video and you're going to see a, a huge mess that I just created because I took everything out of my room and only brought back in what I like. And I realized that I didn't want my bed facing my office, which is behind me. Those are the doors. Um, because that is kind of like busy. I wanted to face outside. I wanted to face nature and I want everything that I can see around me when I'm sleeping to be even in my room or wherever I'm hanging out. I want everything that I like. I want the images or the products that I have sitting out, things that encourage me to keep going, um, things that, again, that I enjoy. For some reason, even I am such a designer that like I had a couple pieces of artwork hanging up um, and one of them, or actually these two pieces, I, I drew the illustrations. I love flowers and I like to uh, paint, but they're flowers. And I used a frame that a friend of mine from college had um, used when she created some artwork for me um, a long time ago. But um, for one reason or another, um, there was kind of a falling out and actually of uh, these friendships from college. And it's really sad, actually, because I'm going to play a little bit for you. When I started Healthy and Fun Choices, the concept was that when I was putting my kids to bed, um, I didn't really like the lullabies or the music that they had for children when you're putting kids to bed. Like it didn't really make sense. Some of our, um, in America here, some of our stories, our books um, don't really make sense. Some of the poems that you memorize and share with kids don't really make sense. Um, the Count Little Sheep song, you know, I don't know, it's fine, but um, you know, there's just so many I don't know, lullabies, just, so I didn't like them. I didn't like them. So I wanted to create an activity workbook for kids so we could start conversations around what is healthy, what is fun, and how we can live our life with those concepts in mind. And I also wanted to come out with my own songs that I could do a CD on the front of the activity workbook with lullabies to put kids to sleep because I, I have done tons of research around sleep and how we wake up in the morning. And if we wake up like unsettled and we're really tired the next day, instead of just looking at that moment, why we would be tired, I always go back to the night before. How do we go to bed? How do we sleep? Our, is our routine the night before um, helping us create the best day the next day? And I find that sometimes it's not, you know, we had a difficult time going to bed or something like that. Or um, so anyway, so sleeping and going to sleep, listening to music, going to sleep, I always have felt is a really good thing. So, um, so I set out to write music 
and have a friend produce the songs and help me. She had a beautiful voice. She sang at my wedding and we hired a, a pianist to write the songs and I, to write the, the tunes I could write because I had written so many radio commercials from being in um, and TV commercials from being in advertising and marketing. I felt like I could write the songs or get the gist of what I wanted. And I, and so I started, and so I started writing songs and then I thought I would go to Kirsten, this friend of mine, and, um, and she could help me put it into music. And so we were going to collaborate and um, when I'd collaborated before with other people on books and things like that, I always felt that we, if we just did it equally, you know, a third, a third, a third, or a half, a half that, um, that, that worked best. So I, um, set out, I wrote a contract since it was between friends and, uh, we started producing and we had an agreement for the production uh, part of it. And then we were going to do a different agreement once we got to the final songs. And then we were going to set up how the payout would be and how we would get it out there and all that stuff. Well, in the end, partway through, we created some really nice songs. And my friend, um, I think, kind of took the concept and thought, oh my gosh, this is going to go huge. And because I, it's my voice, and because I've done so much um, with writing the songs out that she decided she should get more. But I was the one funding the project. I had put money out. I had paid her. I had paid the musicians. I had paid the production studio. I was paying out. So I had put invested money in first. And then I was also going to be doing all the marketing. And I was also going to attach to the books and send it out. So to me, it needed to be equal between everyone that was involved. And even though, yes, Kirsten has a beautiful voice, I still didn't quite think that she should get, say, more money or whatever. And, and I was wanting to get this in writing. Again, I had paid Kirsten up front. So anyways, in the end, we ended up not being able to publish the music because Kirsten wanted more. And, you know, looking back, that was 13 years ago. My son was one, my daughter was four. And we had a lot going on. I know she had um, twins or was pregnant with her twins. I'm not quite sure. Um, so anyways, looking back, totally lost that friendship, totally lost that whole group of friends everyone went to Kirsten's side because the other Kirsten, because they felt that she needed the money or the success more than I did, even though it was being designed for my brand. So it, anyways, it's a sad story because then I held off on producing the music. I've never produced the music, even though I still have the songs I wrote, I still own the piano tracks. I've never produced music, but I have tried to bring music into everything that I'm doing because I feel that music is so important and I think it influences us. And I've never produced that CD that I should produce. 
and people say I should, and I really should. So this is now I'm saying it to you that I'm going to do that. Um, so all the little steps we take and the little roadblocks we hit, we have to just keep moving forward. So, um, so real quick, I'm going to show you a couple of things that caused and how I went from one thing to the next and how I got here that I'm going to finish this portion with a song. And um, in school, they do meditation moments or meditation minutes. And so I'm hoping that you can use this song as your meditation for the day. And, um, and then what I'll do is I'll come back and say a little more. I'm going to stop the video. And then I'm going to go in and I'm going to show you some videos about my room and how I've designed it now to influence what I hope is my future of keep making a difference and leaving a legacy and have, helping others leave a legacy so that this healthy and fun choices concept and mindset and us knowing that whole health is more than just what we eat or how we look that it includes our sleep, it includes how we're hanging out, it includes what influences us to keep moving forward and making a difference and creating the brilliant you. So, okay, so I'm gonna show a little bit. So when I started in business, I started as a logo designer and, a, um, and brochures. I had a company here, Leopold Farms, come to me and said they needed a new logo. And so I created this logo for Leopold Farms. I think it's beautiful. They still use it today. And I asked them, why do you need a logo? Like they had been in business for a couple of generations and they're out in Boring, Oregon. And um, they said that they need a logo because they're just having less people come to their farm. And so they thought if they updated all their look, um, then maybe more people would stop by. And I started asking them more questions. And we found out that maybe what they needed more than just a logo was a brochure. And maybe they needed some pieces that explained organic farming and why organic farming is important to the community. And then by having a brochure, they could take this out to restaurants and they could start up a delivery service where they would deliver their food to restaurants that needed berries. They could form relationships with restaurants that needed berries, maybe for milkshakes. And they could help grocery stores buy from organic local berry growers. And maybe those grocery stores would even be able to start promoting organic farming, organic berries, and why to buy from them. So that's what I did. I created this brochure. It's called Sweet Encounters. And on the back, it talks about their story, which is so important um, about Leopold Farms. How did Leopold Farms get started? It started with an unexpected romance. So again, something unexpected. Um, John Leopold returned from England where he was injured in World War II. He, he caught the eye of a nurse, Elsa, and they fell in love and later wed. John, a sixth generation farmer, followed a dream to Boring, Oregon in 1950. With his new bride, Elsa, they purchased 50 acres to start their own berry farm. With the assistance of their three children, they farmed for 35 years. Their eldest son, Rod, and his wife, Marcia, that's who I was working with, took over the operation in 1985. Rod expanded the operation in acreage and varieties and produced to include berries and tree fruits, as well as the fall festival with a corn maze, pumpkin patch, and hay rides. Now Rod's children, their spouses, grandchildren, and extended family sustain the 300 acres with beautiful harvests. And 
um, the fall festival was an idea that I had about starting to have people come out and learn more about the farm. And so the, what's interesting is they took this brochure out and they ended up getting some excellent, um, relationships and, um, building a really good future for themselves and for the community and, um, Leopold farms, you can go and to their farm festival in, um, October and now starts in September and October, and you can experience, um, you know, go on a hayride and experience and learn about the berries and they get millions of people out there. And Leopold Farms has partnered with Burgerville. Burgerville uses Leopold berries in their milkshakes. And um, that restaurant also promotes the organic farming and local as their whole marketing campaign. So this was a very successful piece. And it was really cool to see how um, they created, how it was created um, so much more. It's created a whole community. Okay, so um, I had to pause just for a minute, but anyways, I'm back. And so yes, Leopold Farms, this was an incredible experience to work with them and be able to ask enough questions that I could help them make a difference. So it went from me making a difference to them making a huge difference. In addition to this, um, they also said they wanted to reach out and do something in the community you know, create their own community, but also do something in their, in the communities. So, um, the Leopolds and I was working with Michelle and Paul Kermanocker and they, um, took a lot of initiative and helped start many of the, um, uh, what is it called? Not Saturday market, but a fa like, um, community, uh, farmer's markets. There we go the farmer's markets around town. So they had a big influence on the farmer's markets because they said we could sell our berries here. And they went to other farmers who were also interested in selling their goods. And they created these farmer's markets around town. There's now, um, you know, one in Milwaukee, Happy Valley, downtown, like by Portland state, um, the Gresham one, the Gresham one might've already been started or at the beginning of it stages. And, and so anyways, they had a huge influence on that. So not only now were they relying on people to come out to the farm to get the berries because the logo design wasn't necessarily going to do that, right? It's not going to get people out there, even though the logo looks good, they still got to get out there. But instead they expanded their thinking um, that people don't just have to come to us, we can come to them and we can come to them in a, a different I call it income streams. So, um, so that was creating and educating and helping them understand that their logo design, this brochure can be a tool, or you could have a website, whatever it is that goes out and you can talk to people and start a conversation. And, um, by starting those conversations, you can lead to change. You can lead to a movement. You can create community, places that farmers come and share their goods and people can buy instead of going to the actual farm, you can, you know, and so on. So this one marketing piece that I did for Leopold Farms and that started as their logo 
became a whole campaign, became a whole campaign for the um, people that they were working for that's, or they uh, developed partnership relationships with also started promoting Leopold farms and promoting organic berries and promoting local farms. And it changed, it pioneered the whole industry. Leopold farms is still in business. They're still thriving. When I go out to Leopold farms, I am so excited to see them. They're excited to see me. I have brought tons of kids out there for school programs, for um, field trips. Um, and it's been so fun. I've brought every year we go there. It's a family tradition and we bring other families that we um, enjoy doing things with. And we learn, we learn on the farm and we have so much fun. And it is absolutely um, one of the best things that I think um, that if I could go down in history just for this, great. You know, that's the huge difference that um, I made. So anyways, going back to that. So Leopold Farms um, created this whole community. And I, I realized the power of community and education through this client. I also had a couple other clients who did amazing jobs in creating community for themselves and influencing an industry as well as helping people um, build character for themselves. So one other one was Montevilla Sewing Centers. And um, when I first started working with them, their store had burned down. And so that was tough. You know, what do we do once the store is burnt down? And I said, well, why don't we create a newsletter that we could educate your customers and we could start creating a community of classes, clubs, and events that people could come to Montevilla Sewing Centers and learn. And so it wasn't just buying a sewing machine. It was now creating a community. And so we did. We created this newsletter. I don't have it here, but to show you. And that was in 1996. Now, the Leopold Farms was, I think, around 1998, maybe. Maybe I'm getting them mixed up. Anyways, they're around the same time. And um, I worked with Leopold Farms for, I think, about a year, year and a half. So a short amount of time that we established some like campaigns and things that they could um, integrate and apply. And they did it. They followed it. They even they went beyond. They went beyond. And it's amazing the work that they did. It's so exciting. It's so cool to go out there and also see their influence on the other farm farmers. Um, now they had so many years in the past of being farmers. So I'm sure they were able to pull out things that their, um, you know, grandfathers and the grandfathers did and, and bring that all together. And they also knew hard work. And so they knew how to follow through with concepts and turn them into um, really good programs and those ed the education piece. So building community is <clears throat> important. And so um, Montevilla Sewing Centers, same thing. We built a community through educating with these magazines that we would send out three times a year. And they people really looked forward to them. They were excited about it. People would hang the calendars on their refrigerator and use it as their calendar, even though it showed like different events and, and programs coming up. And we developed some other th really unique, interesting things. Um, the client, uh, Brett Moore, owner of Montevilla Sewing Centers, would complain quite often about um, 
you know, maybe customers not coming into the store. He wanted more customers to come in. As the internet started becoming more and more prevalent in people where it started ordering online and he was competing against big box stores like Walmart that he hadn't been competing against before or Joann's. Um, and people were buying maybe less expensive sewing machines because now they were buying all different things, not just sewing. Um, it got more expensive, fabric got more expensive. So people were sewing less. And so we really had to get creative in how we marketed, how we communicated, how we educated so that people could count on Montevilla Sewing Centers, not just for buying the product, but for creating who they were. And so the campaigns that I created were um, inspiring women to be creative, inspiring women to be grateful, to give gifts that they would create and share with others. And so this went on, this was a message of empowering um, people that you can create with a sewing machine and you, what can you share and what can you give to others to make a difference? Again, it's all coming back to that passion that I have about making a difference. So if I'm working with a client who's making a difference and wants to make a difference, then I was doing great things. And I enjoyed working with clients at the same time inside of me, I was frustrated because it was that client who was getting known for making a difference. It was that client who was influencing the creativity by the campaigns that we're creating. All of these are part of the whole healthy and fun choices brand, part of me, part of but I was integrating it in for all my clients who were having excellent results. And so that was exciting and a little bit frustrating. And so I knew that in time, I couldn't just keep creating for other people, but it was really hard to let go because I love making a difference, you know? So it's hard to let go. And I actually am only just now letting go. It is 2022. I started my graphic design firm in 1994 and Leopold Farms, Monteville Sewing Center, Gerding Eadlin, um, City of Lake Oswego, Eslim, which is an electric vehicle I can talk about later. All of these companies that I worked with for many, many years, a lot of dental dentists and had a big influence on what they did and how they pioneered their industry. Um, it's quite a few years ago when you think about it, but today I'm actually letting go of clients and really focusing on healthy, fun choices. So I can help you realize that you can make a difference. You can do what you want to do. You can set out whatever that vision is. You can set out and do it. So I just have pulled up a couple different things to show you because it's fun. Montevilla Sewing Centers. This was one of my favorite pieces that I did for them. This is actually a full page ad that was run in the Oregonian. It was actually when we were doing newspapers. So this was quite some years ago. Um, it was part of the gift guide for the holidays. And um, I just really liked the design. I think it was really outstanding. It really stood out. This went on the outside of the Oregonian, and so which is a newspaper. So it got a lot of attention, and it got really good results. And um, I think I also did a 
good job when I look at this Bonavilla is that yes, it's permaline sewing machines and prices and so on, but it, it has an overall feel of the holidays and, um, and it also is colorful, um, in other ads and here's like people creating and other ads. I really tried to do a good job of promoting people and promoting who and inspiring like here, a faff creative sensation, the ultimate sewing quilting embroidery machine, you know, promoting the clubs and events and programs. And so anyways, I just tried doing more than just the products. So you weren't competing on price. They were now creating the community and establishing. I know when we stopped working with them in, um, gosh, it was probably about 2012, 13, 2014, somewhere in there, um, that they had, we had created a huge emailing list for them, a huge mailing list for them. Um, and their business had grown from when we started working with them where their store had burnt down to, I believe they had bought out and, or, and, or now had like, I want to say five to seven locations. And I'm not quite sure how many locations they have now, but, and it, maybe it wasn't five to seven locations. Uh, thinking back, it was one, two, it was four locations when we stopped working with them four locations that they had, but they went from a small company to a pretty big company. You know, maybe they had like five to seven employees to when we were uh, stop working with them. I bet they had about 40 employees. So a big change. They had seen a lot of success. There'd been a lot of change that we had to navigate um, through the economy, through changes in business, through a lot of people ordering and buying products online. And Montevilla really didn't want to sell online. They want people to come into the store and have an experience. So they, that was hard, you know, to stick with that when there was so much change going on, but they did a really good job of sticking to what they wanted to do and creating that and, and taking it beyond. So that education piece. So I'm sharing this because it's building up the story to where I am now. So I saw building a community as being so important and making a difference, right? So I was doing this with all my clients. I was building educational communities with my clients so that they could create a community. They could also influence the larger community around them and, um, and they could have fun. So they picked things that, were, and I picked things and I communicated in ways that were fun and educational and um, and made a difference. Again, I'm coming back to making a difference. So fast forward. So Montevilla made a big difference. So then I decided that I would start creating healthy and fun choices. And I saw the need, like I said, at the beginning with my kids going to bed. And so I wrote books and I, you know, have activity workbooks. This is another one that was really popular. I ended up selling them in new seasons. I would go and have book signings. I, um, Learning Palace, which was a cool kids or um, educational store. I had my books in there. Um, they were really great at getting the word out about the books. And I ended up going into schools to educate youth. Um, I ended up creating these really fun 
uh, workshops. It was almost like a team building workshop where different teams did different things. I think I talked about that earlier. Anyways, I'll go into more details on that because I want you to be able to do this as well. And, and I'm going to have a course where people can get certified with the healthy fund choices and they can take it into their schools or into their organizations and make a difference um, because it's how we learn and how we have fun that resonates and empowers people um, to make a difference in their lives and keep moving forward. So Oregon is fun, rain or sun. So here's the activity, one of the activity workbooks that should have come out with music. I'm going to play the music here in a little bit. And so as I was creating healthy and fun choices, I also developed a book called um, More Time to Kiss. And I, I did not like the cover it's written on. So I never marketed the book, but this book is amazing. And so I have now just redesigned the book cover. I'm rewriting um, elements and adding to it. And I'm even taking the concepts from in here and putting it in the book that is going to be coming out for you guys. It's called Brilliant, Healthy and Fun Choices. So it goes with this podcast and um, the information in this book, and it's a workbook. Um, and it's about words. And so as I, this one's about change. So there's in information, ideas, stories, and things that you can do, how you can use words in your life. Because just like in my room, all the things that I see influences my thoughts, my feelings, my actions. Words also do that. So I will have another podcast series talking just about words. Words also influence relationships. So relationships is actually a word in here. So as I went on, um, integrity, here's another one. Integrity, another really good word. What is your integrity in what you are doing and how you are doing it? And I left the back open so you could write in here. Here it says, the right to do something does not mean that doing it is right. And that was by William Sapphire. Another one is, goodness is the only investment that never fails. Henry David Thoreau. So I went through and picked some of my favorite quotes and integrated them into this workbook. So when you're filling it out, um, you can enjoy that. The quotes as well. So, so this book is re being republished and it was originally published in 2011. So, but not marketed. You got to market what you do. You got to believe that what you write and what you spend your time on is important and needs to get out there. You got to not get held back by what people say. Because when I showed this to family, I got a lot of challenges. I'll just say that. Initially, I showed my whole book to my mother-in-law, who is great. And she's had a lot of experience with editing, but she took out a lot of really good stories that frustrated me. And maybe that's the reason I didn't market it as much as I should have. So this is another one, change. Another word, change. Person to person, moment to moment, as we love, we change the world. So that is love. Love is a big concept. Change is inevitable. It is the opposite of being stagnant or remaining the same. All living things grow and change every day. Have you ever tried to resist change only to find out it got more difficult the more you resisted? 
Being open-minded to change allows you the time needed for acceptance. Choosing to go with the flow, adjust and reflect is often helpful. The quicker and bigger the change, the more awareness and time the transition will need. That's interesting. In fact, warning and journaling may be helpful. Nature is a good example of how to effectively handle change. When leaves change colors and a tree sheds its leaves, it likely finds warmth within and nourishes itself for future growth. When the wind blows, clouds often expose the sun. What do you experience in nature that could help you understand the concept of change? On the other side of waiting for change to happen, you can consciously decide to change your future by making specific positive changes to your current reality. Access your current position and decide what you are wasting time on. Then remove, outsource, or add fun to those jobs so you can spend more time on what you love. Just by changing how you do something, as little as the dishes or sales calls, could actually become something you enjoy. Therefore, you will be more effective with the use of your time. What can you change to enjoy more? That's the question of the day. So, and it's very interesting. This was written again in 2011, and those messages are still good today. And they've got to get out there. That's why I started this podcast. So, ironically, as I created this book, told people about it, started doing healthy and fun choices events. I wanted to do a family event where everyone could come and learn together. I wanted to bring in authors and speakers and musicians. I um, made connections with Michael Allen Harrison, who is an amazing musician who started the Snowman Foundation, where you can donate instruments and then they will get them out to people in need. And he was just starting that. So he said, I'm just starting this concept. I would love to come help. Healthy and Fun Choices. I'll play the piano and we can have a workshop. Kids can come up on stage and play with me. It was amazing. And it, it changed the world because now the Snowman Foundation is huge and he has 10 grants and he raises money for that. And people donate tons of instruments and people's lives are changed. And if I hadn't have started Healthy and Fun Choices and helped him with his marketing of the Snowman Foundation, I don't know where it would have been. So all of our little things that we do, do make a big difference. We make a difference in those people. We make a difference for how whatever it is. So stepping back from the more time to book that never got published, but at least I moved forward. I mean, it got published, never got marketed. At least I kept moving forward in action to create the family events, to make connections with Michael Allen Harrison. I also got to meet my second favorite mentor in my life. Bob Scott was number one. Number two was a guy named Randy Traeger. And I met Randy Traeger. This is his book. And he wrote this from the influence of us meeting each other. We met each other because we both had created, um, he created this Virtue First Foundation and I had healthy and fun choices. He had um, words, 52 words. I had 52 words. We almost had the exact same words. He was in the process of writing a book and he kept going and um, we helped each other and he published this wonderful thick book about all these different stories about words. Now, the funny thing is, is Randy's words and my words were almost the exact same. Amazing. 
I, I mean, that's just like a sign, right? So like his words, like respect and what he did in his book, he also had found quotes. So he's leaving quotes to get the thoughts started. And then he tells stories and then he gives actions of what you can do and how you can see things differently. So let's see what another one is. Understanding, respect, understanding. And he actually laid them out for every week for every week of the year. So that's one of my goals is to take all my words and lay them out into, um, into weeks, friendliness. So Randy and I tried writing grants um, to get some, um, to win some big grants, but we didn't end up winning them. And we brought together other organizations and it was a big process. It was a big process to apply for grants and bring all these people together that had similar concepts. Um, I think grant writing really is cool, but it's also challenging when you're a small business organization wanting to make a difference and you don't win the grant and you ended up maybe wasting a lot of time. So I think in the future, I'm not, you know, unless the grant makes sense and I'll apply for it, but I think in the future, I'm going to just, um, and that's really why the concept of the podcast is I want to reach people. I want to reach more people. So if you like what I'm saying here and it's influencing you and you, and you feel like the concepts, this is just the beginning. Um, and you want to keep listening to Kirsten Klug and you want to know how to be brilliant and you want to know how to make a difference. If I can reach people more than say reach programs, or um, I think overall um, long-term is going to be a bigger influence. Um, and so that's why I've started this podcast. That's why I'm publishing more books. That's why I'm creating some courses so that people can take these concepts that I have that obviously are important because they've changed a lot of companies and businesses. They've also changed a lot of people. And so, um, so to keep going. So Randy, unfortunately got a kidney disease that was inherited. His sister had it as well and passed away. And, um, and so in the time that I knew Randy, um, he got this disease and his kidneys got really bad. And, um, you might recognize his name, Traeger Grills. He and his brother, um, developed the Traeger Grill and, as you guys know, um, everyone has a Traeger grill and loves to cook. So Randy, in addition to writing this wonderful, um, you know, virtue first foundation and the building character books and the words and us having so many connections and kind of a lot of times being on the same page. Um, I got to know Randy's family and, um, and just, and he started when he was he, he ended up, you know, having this kidney disease and anyways, he ended up getting really sick and he had some goals and missions in life. And so, um, I met, uh, Donna and, um, uh, the craces and, um, and they were part of the group that we tried applying for a grant. So anyways, we all became friends. We all tried helping Randy as much as we could. We created some beautiful events, um, and, um, and Randy ended up, 
getting a kidney transplant right at the end. Um, but unfortunately that kidney had cancer in it. So it ended up putting cancer in Randy's body. And then he ended up getting another surgery to replace that kidney, but it was too late. The cancer had already gone through Randy. And, um, so anyways, that's another reason I want to creep, keep creating this legacy is not just for me. Now it's also for Randy. It's also for Bob Scott. When I go back to the OVO, um, you know, I have lost mentors and there are people who had similar thoughts and ideas and vision. Um, and so if I keep moving forward, then hopefully I can help and influence other people who can also then keep moving forward on this concept that, um, we get to create our life. We get to be brilliant in who we are. We get to recognize that life is, is not always going to go as planned. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be things that make us stuck. There's going to be frustrating moments, but we have to learn how to see the big picture, take the small details and just keep moving forward. Cause we never know just like healthy and fun choices, just like going back and helping clients and customers and realizing creating community is important. So if I can create the books, if I can create, I'm going to lead to something, right? I lead to Randy. I lead to Michael Allen Harrison. I make the connections that keep moving me forward. And also reflecting back on what did I not do? What could I do better? Um, how could I now publish and market, right? The concepts, how could I get the music out there? Maybe that I wrote that can influence um, others. So when they put their kids to bed or when they have a downtime or a transition time, they can listen to music. So as I go into schools, I do, and I am integrating in um, moments like a minute where we can like look at beautiful imagery and listen to some music and, and just chill, right? And have some uh, reset time. So, so the Randy Traeger and the books went to that. Another place that heard about healthy and fun choices was Providence Health. And they had hired me to write this living well booklet for cancer patients. And I got to meet with all the top doctors and get them all on the same page about things like sleeping and yoga and stretching and that being healthy is relaxing your mind and body, as well as exercise. And so I designed this whole booklet. It was a huge project, eating well, using the Mediterranean diet, colorful foods, is all of this information came from healthy and fun choices. All of my experience drinking water, all of my experiences, of working with businesses and top level uh, business executives to get them on the same page about a simple concept, healthy and fun choices, but we marketed it and developed it as their own product that they could then um, promote and hand out to cancer patients. This has influenced millions of people. Now, I was only hired to take the concept and get the doctors on the same page to create this piece. But what I realize now is that if I could just create something like this, 
and sell it for a dollar and create and reach millions of people, then that millions of dollars is going to help my family and help you even more because I am a generous, caring, kind person. And um, the money that I make as a person always goes back out to how I can make an even bigger difference. So I wanted to share this with you because I think it's so important that you keep moving forward. The reason I started a magazine, Healthy and Fun Choices magazine, is because I realized working with Bonneville Sewing Centers, how powerful a magazine can be. Again, it's a conversation starter. It has articles in here about getting out in nature. And then it um, impacts people by sharing art. People like Don Griffith, who is a wonderful artist, getting out and doing golf. If you have green envy, learning about your eyes, um, all these topics, functional fitness, um, learning that you can get strong muscles to allow you to move boxes. You can improve your balance and flexibility by doing activities that will allow you to like have more stability. If you break your leg, you can stand on one leg. By doing the tree pose in yoga, you can stand on one leg. So all of these things come from a magazine. And I wanted to do a magazine because I can integrate in some of the activity workbooks stuff like this little maze. I can integrate in stories that are current for right now. And I can also promote companies if people want ads in there. So together we can influence change. And it takes a tribe. It takes a whole bunch of people to influence change. So again, this podcast is about how are we doing this together? How are you being brilliant in your own self? And what can you do today to, in your bedroom, in your life, and in every waking moment, what can you do right now that's going to influence your future? Taking those small steps, chunking it down, just like I talked about yesterday, and moving forward in action with fun. So I'm going to end with this song. And um, I want you just to have a inspirational, quiet moment. Hopefully you can relax through this. And then I will tag on at the end of this, um, some elements that you can see from my room and different things. I'll talk real quick about what that is and how it influences me. So here we go. This is, I call it the swish, 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 swish song. Um, I hope you enjoy and this is Kirsten Klug with Brilliant signing off for now. If you can uh, listen to this song and you can always fast forward to this if you like it and um, enjoy Swish Swish. Play it for your kids and it will be coming out pretty soon. Take care.
be brilliant.